I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. On this week's Big Tech Show, Ireland's biggest drone delivery company looks set to cover Dublin by the end of the year. MANA boss Bobby Healy tells us about his goal to be one of the biggest companies in the world. We want to win big here. We don't want to be one player of a 500 different drone companies. We want to be the biggest thing the world has ever seen. We want to be in every single suburban household on the planet. To do that, you start with things that are high adoption, high frequency products. You go straight to the coffees and the takeaway food. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, how a stranded trawler led the Navy to its mothership and a multi-million euro drugs bust. On Sunday night, around half eleven, the Coast Guard received a distress call from a fishing trawler that had hit a sandbank off the Wexford coast. The Rosslare lifeboat and the Coast Guard helicopter were dispatched to assist this trawler that had run aground in heavy weather off the coast of Blackwater. It seemed like any other call-out until the rescue team were met with radio silence. Significant quantity of drugs found on board Panamanian registered cargo vessel impounded after multi-agency security operation off Cork Coast. By Tuesday... Elite Army Ranger officers were storming a larger vessel off the coast of Cork in scenes that were like something from a movie. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Porrick Byrne, journalist at the Wexford People, and by Paul Williams, special correspondent at the Irish Independent, to explain the dramatic scenes which have unfolded in our seas this week, and to talk about what it tells us about the Irish drugs trade. Porrick Byrne, let me start with you because you are our eyes and ears down in Wexford and you were the first reporter who got wind of something going on. But this kind of started out as a fairly average story about the Coast Guard being called out to a a trawler in trouble. The first I heard of it was just there was a trawler in trouble off the coast of Blackwater. I started to get messages kind of late late on, uh, on Sunday evening. Quickly though, it began to become clear that there was something a little bit suspicious about this. One of my sources who was messaging me about it kind of said it had all the hallmarks of some kind of drug running operation. So that naturally started alarm bells ringing, you know. The way it transpired from that point was the Rosslare lifeboat and the Coast Guard helicopter were dispatched to assist this trawler that had run aground in heavy weather off the coast of Blackwater. They weren't providing much detail of what was going on on board. So that kind of uh, had suspicions arose before the lads arrived on scene. But as they as they kind of got up towards the trawler and towards the scene, uh, the lads from the Rosslare Harbour lifeboat and, and the Coast Guard helicopter had communication from the Irish Naval Service and they 
they were reportedly told then that the trawler was being tracked and not to land anyone on deck or not to take anyone off of this trawler. Uh, it seems they may have, there may have been some concerns that maybe these men could potentially be armed or dangerous or that kind of thing. A major security operation is continuing around the vessel, which is wedged on a sandbank approximately 12 nautical miles north of Rosslare Harbour. The Gardaí, the Naval Service, Revenue and Customs, the Coast Guard and the Air Corps are all involved in the operation. What followed on from there over the next five or six hours was the lifeboat made several attempts to fire a tow line across to the trawler to in a bit to try and free it from the bank. But I think it quickly became clear that maybe these weren't the most experienced seafarers, shall we say. Um, it emerged then subsequently that this vessel, the, the Castle Moor, had been only recently purchased down in Castletown Bear, County Cork, and there are several accounts from locals down there saying that these guys didn't really look like they knew what they were doing when they when they took the trawler out. Around 3am then on, on Monday morning, the LEWB-8, the Irish Naval Patrol ship, arrived on scene. Uh, and after some back and forward and after the rescue 117 chopper went back to Waterford to refuel, the decision was taken to winch the crew of two men from the trawler onto the deck of the the naval patrol vessel and into the arms of Gardaí from the National Drug Squad and Navy officers there. And do we know, Porrick, who made the initial call looking for help? Did the men on the boat actually find themselves in a situation where they felt they had to, to call for help? Well, it seems like they may have been in difficulty for some time before that call came out. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine what the thought process might have been for those two men on that ship, knowing that they were stuck, they were in bother, things were only going to get worse, and knowing what they potentially had on board and, and what they were involved in. It must have been must have been panic stations on board, you know. Um, but I suppose what, what transpired then was the crew of two the, were both arrested when, when they were lifted onto the Navy vessel. Uh, one is believed to be English and one Eastern European. One of the men, I believe, was taken to hospital then um, and he was kept under armed guard there while he received treatment for minor injuries. I believe he injured his hand while he was trying to haul in the, the tow lines that were fired across to the trawler and that kind of thing. And the suspicion is, Porrick, that they may have dumped a substantial quantity of drugs into the sea before the rescue teams got to them? There are several kind of theories floating around at the minute. One is that, yeah, they knew they were in difficulty and they knew the rescue services would be arriving so that they they may have dumped uh, a quantity of of drugs over the side. But there's also a theory that maybe uh, they were... Um, approaching this mothership uh, that they couldn't get close enough to, that maybe the drugs were, were dumped in the sea to, for them to collect. And Gardaí were very circumspect for, I guess, the first 48 hours of this operation. They didn't want to say a whole lot about it, but they have now given us more details. We have uh, removed the product uh, from the vessel and it's now in secure storage. And I can say that the uh, weight of Cocaine involved was 2,253 uh, kilograms and the value is 157 million euro. People in Wexford have been saying, Pori, because this all came out of nowhere, but it is quite an extraordinary story. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, we've, we're, we're not... We're not uh, unused to major drugs busts in Wexford. We have a lot of, of major drugs busts take place down in Rossa Europe, but... 
there's always kind of a feeling, you know, people in Wexford don't really engage with those ones because they seem to be just passing through. It's, you know, customs officers uncovering them in trailers and in the backs of trucks. This was something different entirely. I think it's really important to note this is the largest drug seizure in the history of the state. This is a hugely significant operation and it shows our unrelenting determination to disrupt and dismantle networks uh, which are determined uh, to bring drugs into our country. There was all these, all this military action, all these Air Corps helicopters landing and taking off from remote Wexford villages, you know, people being woken up in the middle of the night in, in coastal communities to the sounds of helicopters above. And of course, then sure, you had uh, you had the repeated references to the Young Offenders movie and people saying that they were going to go down to the beach on a bit of a treasure hunt and that kind of thing, you know. So I guess it has, it has had tongues wagging uh, around Wexford for the past couple of The story then moved to Cork because you mentioned this idea of the mothership that this smaller trawler may have engaged with. Tell us, do we know were the Navy tracking this inverted commas mothership or did they just realise that there must be a bigger boat out there somewhere after this trawler ran aground? Well, it looks at this stage like uh, like the the mothership, uh, the MV Matthew was very much a part of of, uh, what the what the navy were monitoring and, and this multi-agency operation um it's a panamanian registered bulk cargo vessel and it's kind of suspected of being involved in you know transatlantic cocaine trade um so the obviously this was the this was the big one it seems that maybe when the trawler got into difficulty the navy shifted their focus because they knew you know the game had changed the goalposts were moved Members of the elite Irish Army Ranger Wing stormed a container ship, which it's believed travelled from South America. It was due to supply a trawler off the Irish coast, but the trawler ran aground. Paul Williams, what we know about this mothership is, well, it's huge for a start. It's it's 28,000 tonnes. It's 22 years old. As Porik said, it, it's registered in Panama. It left there on the 18th of August, travelled across the Atlantic and was somewhere over near the Canary Islands, skirted around Spain, France, before heading up towards ourselves. It's quite, it's been in the water a long time. It's been delivering drugs. Uh, there's nothing sure. Do you talk to anyone in Mayock, the Marine Analysis and Operations Centre, which was once run by the Assistant Commissioner Michael O'Sullivan from here? That's how it operates. Uh, the quantities of cocaine that are being pumped out of uh, and produced by Colombia and South America in general are so large now and the shipments are so big that we now have a situation where we uh, they need bigger ships. And what they do, a mothership will leave and it will make a number of rendezvous. It was down in a sort of safe area, off, it seems, off the coast of Africa. We don't know the full details yet. But it's very typical of how the international drugs transportation business works. Uh, and we had, for the amusement here and also for the great drama we've had in the past 24 hours and fantastic work by the Navy and the Air Corps and the Army Ranger Wing, um, it's a very much it reminds me of the Del Boy and Rodney episode from years ago on Only Foods and Horses when they hired a, 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 a trawler to try and go and bring diamonds in from Holland. That's the thing about organised crime and international drug trafficking. On one hand, it can be really, really sophisticated and the intention is sophisticated and very modern and very 
good thinking or strategic thinking on their part. So we've seen it before. How many blunders have there been off the Irish coast and how many seizures of cocaine has there been? Huge seizures in the past 10, 20 years off our coast because of stuff like that. This ship it was very typical of how the drug trade is operating in the world because the, the product, there is so much product being produced and so much of a demand for it that the ships like this moving across the Atlantic all the time. These groups are transnational groups. They are working all across the world. And because of that, we need to work with our international partners. And I think this uh, particular operation, again, demonstrates that type of cooperation that we had. In this operation, we had cooperation from the Drugs Enforcement Administration in the United States, the National Crime Agency in the UK, um, our colleagues in France, and also Mayoken, the maritime uh, analysis uh, section based in Lisbon and Portugal. I want you to tell me a little bit about how the Navy operate in this, the Joint Task Force that they're the elite army rangers who boarded that because I recall a few years ago you went out on, was it the George Bernard Shaw? That's right. We, we went on, the, the, the exercise we were on was basically a drug interdiction exercise, exactly like what you saw this week in Wexford. Uh, the only thing was it was in very calm waters. We're 250 miles south of Ireland and the weather was very, very pleasant. But being part of that crew and being there with them the three or four days, the amount of planning that goes in to that operation is incredible. And on that case, they had they were relying on their own sources on the ship. They have their own boarding party, specialist armed boarding party. They went out in the middle of the night to track a ship, which was an innocent ship, didn't know we were watching it. And they went in uh, rigid ships or boats. Two of them went off with two crews on board. They went right up to this ship, an American ship, uh, 30 miles away. And they mooched around and took pictures of it to show that they could get catch up on this ship without it knowing. And then the captain of the George Bernard Shaw radioed this ship and said, how do you do this Irish naval ship, George Bernard Shaw? Can you tell me, uh, we have just been watching you. Can you tell me, have you seen us? And they, the, the American guy go, my God, no, we didn't see you. Uh, so they're the kind of exercises they prepare for all the time. Um, it was a superb operation. It was textbook operation, all the training. However, the other side of it is that all of this highlights the, the, the chronic lack of naval resources we have. We own the biggest chunk of Atlantic real estate in the world. Uh, it's about five or six times the size of our, our land mass. And we have one ship to patrol it. Um, you know, these guys have to be, you know, we have to be lucky all the time with these guys, and we're not. Like, this is, there's a vast amount of business going on out there. Each of the agencies brought uh, their own expertise and knowledge and assets to the table. Um, and all of that, and the combination of that, is what contributed uh, to the success of this operation. From a revenue and customs perspective, um, I think our analytical capability in terms of our ability to analyse data uh, in real time and to use that to contribute to the development of intelligence uh, was really uh, significant and important. This was an intelligence-led operation. The best way I can describe it for our listeners is that it's a bit like the guards only leave the police station in their squad car to make an arrest when it's intelligence-led, so they know Kevin Doyle and Paul Williams are up to no good. However, they don't patrol the streets looking for crime. You know, that's the analogy. That's, that's, how, that's how our law enforcement on the high seas works. We'll talk more generally in a moment, Paul, around drug smuggling and how all of that works. But Porik, 
what is the scene in Wexford now? Has that trawler, we know that the mothership has been brought into Cork, but has the trawler actually managed to be lifted off that sandbank yet? Well, uh, they're kind of conflicting reports. Uh, it's, it's funny, once the mothership came into it and the big the big operation, everything seems to have gone kind of quiet on, on the trawler. I know yesterday they were really struggling to access it and obviously there's major concerns with Star Magnus coming in. From what, I, from what I'm led to believe, the trawler's already pretty is starting to disintegrate. It's pretty broken up in that. So I guess they were facing a race against time. And Paul, the question then of... You talk about us not patrolling the seas in a way that we might like. Have the seas become the best access route for drugs into this country? They're th- this country and every country. 98, 99% of drugs traveling around the world travel around by sea. It's the only way. Because how does it get from South America and Central America over to here? So... It, it's it's all about the sea. Now, all of it, remember, Kevin, I'm talking going back 30-odd years. Uh, the Guardi started busting gangs who were dropping off bales of hash and then later cocaine off the Irish coast. The Irish coast is one of the most attractive coastlines, and we're on the very edge of the West, Western Europe, but it's one of the most attractive coastlines in Europe because we have a vast number of isolated coves and craggy inlets, you know, along our very, very craggy coast. And it's impossible to police all those. Ireland also has a reputation now for not having a navy at sea. The criminals know about all of this. Um, So, but at the same time, you know, the, the vast majority of our drugs are coming in, obviously by sea, but they're coming in primarily through container traffic, through the Rosslare Europort now, via Antwerp and Rotterdam, and all kinds of myriad ways they have of disguising the stuff. An operation like this is on a much bigger scale even again because this was clearly a very large ship that can carry a very large cargo and it's been off the radar for well over a month. And this would be a classic mothership doing her deliveries. Uh, and that would be typical to go along and out to meet the ship at sea, take off the load, come back in uh, and then offload it on the Irish coastline and the ship moves on elsewhere. More details will come out, I'm sure, in the in the days and weeks about exactly what happened here. But more generally, tell me about the methods that these gangs use when they board up drugs in South America or wherever it is and bring them across to Europe. But they're getting much more sophisticated. Remember, there is an incredible, insatiable demand for cocaine in Europe. It has been driving production through the roof in uh, in cocaine or in in Colombia. So. They have to find more ways of getting it in. The, the, the main way it is coming here is in container ships into Rotterdam and Antwerp. Customs officials in the Netherlands have netted the country's largest ever haul of drugs. They seized the shipment of over 8,000 kilograms of cocaine in the port of Rotterdam on the 13th of July. But the news was kept secret to assist the ongoing investigation. Officials say the vessel travelled via Panama from Ecuador, which is now one of the main exporters of cocaine to Europe and the United States. Rotterdam is considered to be the biggest drug port in the world now. And 85% of our container traffic come from there. So that's the route it takes. Like Rotterdam, the, the, the seizures in Rotterdam and Antwerp are through the roof, especially in recent years, billions upon billions. Um, but they've also ad- adopted other extraordinary means to bring stuff in. One is they've created what's called narco uh, torpedoes. Now, narco torpedoes are big tubes that they weld to the to the base of a ship. And when it comes into a harbor, prearranged, they have divers to come in and cut it off 
and, and take it ashore. So they're Another thing, under the boat, under the boat yeah. someone comes under the water yeah. and removes them. And anecdotally, I've been hearing this for years, one of the jobs the Army Ranger Diving Unit has been doing and the Naval Diving Unit from time to time is done, they're sent into the harbours in Dublin and Cork to check in on the ships. Another thing is the narco subs. Now, these are sophisticated in one way, but quite crude in another. Um, they are basically built in South America. They are designed, they're like semi-submersibles, to transport tons, an average two to three tons of coke at a time across the Atlantic on um, uh, 10 degrees south, uh, 10 degrees of latitude, which is basically a straight line from the West Indies right across to West Africa. So the seas are supposed to be a little bit calmer. But these things are highly dangerous and susceptible to being sunk. And they're normally crewed by impoverished people at the lower end of the social ladder in South America who are prepared to risk their lives for a few quid. So there's been a few of these captured, particularly off Spain and places like that. So these guys are just disposable, uh, like just like the way the, the drug dealer on the street is disposable to the big drug baron. We know now from Gardaí that a significant amount of drugs are obviously in their possession or in the possession of customs. Does that mean that that's off the streets? We don't know that all these this, this container was necessarily meant for Ireland, but how does this affect the supply chain, if, if you get what I mean, on a Saturday night in, in Dublin, where presumably that's where the cocaine is getting sold ultimately? One of the very worrying developments that we have noticed in about the past 10 years, maybe less, is that despite huge shipments being intercepted, it is having absolutely little or absolutely no effect, uh, a corresponding effect, on the streets of Dublin. Come again, a new study has found that treatment for cocaine use among young people increased by 171% between 2011 and 2019. Now, Justin Kelly, the, the assistant commissioner in charge of drugs, uh, or the, the, the organised crime, organised and serious crime, he made that point recently himself. He said, you know, what they're trying to do is basically maintain and control a problem. But there's, it's a bit like, to describe how it gets into the country, a bit like having a stream and you try and block the stream. The water will pervert its way to find its way back onto its original course. No matter what you do, you can do nothing about it. And with that, that's the demand of the, the market, the free market econ economics, because there's, Ireland has the fourth highest uh, um, per capita rate of cocaine abuse in the world. Like, that's ex extraordinary. And you don't think this will put a dent in that, really? No, because in order for it to get to the market, Kevin, it, it's coming through hundreds of different channels. And you will find that, say, the cartel behind this particular bust, they've, they're certainly very badly hurt by this. Absolutely. And somebody has to pay. But from... That incident yesterday, there will be people now working out a new route to get around that. Finally, Paul, the Gardaí need a bit of good PR at the minute, given the uh, emotional confidence in Drew Harris, the, the threat to stop doing overtime. Uh, is this this is a good day for the Gardaí as well as the Navy? Oh, this is a very good day for all the security services, absolutely. They've done a brilliant job. And the one thing, by the way, as well, the Guards might be fighting with their commissioner, and that's a different area. But at the end of the day, they still do a damn fine job. And they're still, in the end of the day, on Garda Shikon is one of the finest police forces in the world. And per perhaps our public don't hear that often enough. We spend too much time whinging and giving out about them and accusing them of corruption and all of this kind of stuff. They get the job done uh, if they're given the tools. The fact that they're getting, not getting on with their boss, that's irrelevant to this, because the cops will still go out and do their job. Paul Williams and Porrick Byrne in Wexford, thank you very much. 
My thanks to Porrick Byrne from the Wexford People and to Paul Williams, special correspondent with the Irish Independent. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by D. Reddy, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound recorded by John Smith. Archive clips were from the RTE News at 1 and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr Brennan. Ah yes, says he, I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I, that's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he, it's the whole meal, the whole grain and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fibre, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today.